Oh my goodness, it's Wednesday again, which means we are back for another podcast, which I like Yay. to deem as Wellness Wednesday still. That's why we still record them on Wednesdays. That's why we still launch them on Wednesdays. Just gotta, you gotta keep some of that authenticity going on, right? Mm -hmm. So this is Rachel. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I appreciate y'all tuning in and I have my best friend, Jesse Anderson here. You can do a little introduction for yourself. Hey, it's Anderson. You can find me at photoswithanderson.com and on Facebook. You can also search for my super private group for women only. That is Boudoir Photos with Anderson. Google how to spell boudoir if you don't know. <laughs> that always seems to trip me up sometimes. Did you have to like voice it? <laughs> yes. <Just> boudoir. <laughs> boudoir. Um, but you can also find me um, just on regular Facebook. If you're friends with Rachel, most likely you can find at least one picture of us tagged together. <laughs> Facebook tries to tag us as the same person. Yes, it's fun. From time to time. Always interesting. All right. Fantastic. Well, and uh, because I almost forgot this last time, I wanted to add this at the beginning. Number one, we have started our March Beginner's Guide to Wellness group that's happening on the Book of Face. I know it's controversial. We don't have anything else yet for Insta. I don't even know if there is a group option, event option, whatever. We'll we're getting there. We're getting there. But um, we've got this really great group going. Um, it's a, a lot of accountability happening. A lot of vulnerability is happening as well. So if you feel like you need a little bit of a boost, if you have no idea where to start in your personal development, it's a great place to hang out. Uh, in addition to that, we do have the free social that's coming up at the mm -hmm. end of the month. It's on the last Monday. So okay. that... We have been talking about how we are tentative locations, so don't worry about that. But we're working on a place, so it would be on the 30th from 6.30 to 9. And if you have children and you don't have a babysitter, it's totally cool to bring them along so that you can just come and meet new women. And that's all that it is. It's just meet, making new friends and learning about other women in your community. So feel free to do that. And uh, you can check that information out over on Facebook at The Good Girls Guide. And if you need a private invite if you are not on social media, please make sure to message out to me and we'll get that information to you. So uh, today we wanted to, uh, again, today was actually more than a 12 hour or 12 minute plan. It was yeah. like a 12 hour plan. Yeah. Um, I asked Anderson if we could talk a little bit about, about spending and finances today and that we would begin by <laughs> prefacing that this is not going to be a conversation about a specific how to do because we believe in being transparent and I talk about like finances was my Everest. When you talk about like the hardest things that you need to get over, I always thought it was going to be food. I always thought it was going to be diet and exercise. Um, I potentially at one point thought it was going to be my mental health, but I feel like mental health has been a cakewalk in mm -hmm. terms of comparing, comparing, figuring out money to, to myself. I had no idea the amount of emotion that was involved in it. I had no idea uh, the amount of work it was going to take. So this is not a house to, because we're not claiming to be financial experts. Nope. We know a lot of amazing women that can help you out that are educated and have a passion for it. But that's what we are doing is aligning ourselves with people that have better finances, better financial education. Uh, so we are going to recommend that to you as well. But what we want to talk about is maybe an idea of is financial education for me and do I really care about what I'm spending and more importantly about what I'm making? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing that I'm excited about when you asked if we could do this as a topic was that this is one of those things that growing up, the only thing that I ever really heard about finances was we don't talk about it. You don't talk, you don't Specifically, tell. Like yeah. legitimately you're, that you would hear that? Yeah. We don't like, talk about that? Yeah. You, I heard it in like sitcoms on TV, mm -hmm. heard it in movies, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like w we never had conversations about money growing up, like in our family. So 
I'm being completely honest, like the way I was raised my childhood, I learned a lot from old movies yeah. and from TV and from what I saw in the news and things like that. So we didn't have financial conversations in my household. So I have always been conditioned that you don't talk about this kind of stuff. Right. It's, it's private. It's personal. Nobody else needs to know. And I think that that's part of the reason why a lot of millennials are in such financial trouble is because we were conditioned not to talk about it and not mm-hmm. to ask for help. Like not asking or not talking about it leads to not asking for help because asking for help is talking about it. It's like Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finan- finances was the millennial Fight Club, in my opinion. Yeah, yes. And it, it is, I mean, it's, yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think that most of my influences came from culture and media mm-hmm. because it wasn't in my house that we didn't talk about it per se, but there was, you know, the obvious. Again, like I grew up in Trailer Park, um, but... It, we didn't we didn't talk nobody but we, it wasn't a shameful conversation but there was a lack thereof mm-hmm. uh there was a lot of it, again for me the dialogue wasn't we can't afford it it was just like no mm-hmm. so I never I that was such an unclear picture so what does that mean does that mean no because you don't like me or is it no because <laughs> we don't have money in the bank right. so that was more ambiguity well, I can't say that word am Ambiguity, yeah. ambiguity. Yes, there. Whew. Reset I can't the clock. Words. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. My bad. It was very unclear to me on where I derived a concept of what money was, but I would agree with that. I'm a tad older than you, so I can definitely remember like the end of the '80s, which mm-hmm. was the yuppie thing. Um, so I came out of. I mean, like I think I resonate with '80s movies just as well as '90 90s movies because I'm smack dab in the middle. So I can remember that giant shoulder pads in Wall Street. Like I remember that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but then, yeah, it was very much. You just don't talk about it. You don't ask about it. Like you, but you have your assumptions. Like there's, you know, particular careers and occupations and neighborhoods that you, if you live in you're perceived to have have money mm-hmm. versus the other end of the spectrum. But that's, but that's part of the problem, and that's what we're going to kind of divulge into is the perception. Yeah, perception. A lot of financial decisions revolve around the perception, perception and what of what and what it's going to project to other people. Yeah, and what it means, what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, that's fantastic. So um, I don't, I I think that it still de- de- delivers some power to talk about. Like what I said, I'm more than happy to share, like, what my financial journey is, just so you, if you don't, like, again, if you can't recognize, because I think there was a lot of denial for a long time about how much debt I had. Oh, same. Um, because it was always a, but I'm paying it off and I'm doing the thing. So it feels successful, but it was not. It was like a house of cards. Well, yeah. And mine was because general overview, I have student loan debt and I have credit card debt and I had a car loan for a while, but I was uneducated about finances and about credit cards and about student loans when I got them. Mm -hmm. I just thought that that was what was normal. Everybody gets student loans. Everybody has a credit card. So I was doing the normal thing. And then without that education, I was maxing out my credit cards and wasn't was only making the minimum payments because I was I had kind of deceived myself or or was ignorant for a while about the fact that oh I'm making the minimum payment this should be fine this is what they were requesting of me I was naive and just didn't realize that minimum payments don't actually pay off your debt they pay off the interest and they make the banks rich so if you're Mm -hmm. only making minimum payments you're not digging yourself out of the hole that you're creating you're digging you're digging yourself deeper. Correct. Slowly. 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 But that's what the banks want. Yeah. They want you to feel comfortable and feel like you're doing the right thing. Because if you are uncomfortable, then you're going to realize 
the, in my, I mean, in my terms, the scam that's going on and you're going to realize what, you're going to realize their tricks mm. and, and that the minimum payment is enough to keep them happy because they're getting money from you every month, but it's just enough to keep you comfortable so that you only make the minimum payment mm. and you don't get out of the debt cycle. That's why your minimum payment decreases as your balance decreases. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with a good job rewards you take, no. take the night off and get a Sunday with this extra funds that you have. That's the, that's the cycle. That's the trick. Yes. Yes. Um, so if you need resources about credit counseling or information, um, Jess and I can actually both hook you up. We have been very transparent as friends about where we are in our journey, and we are both enrolled in a program uh, that gives you a breath of fresh air and takes that pressure off your chest if you feel like you are struggling, if you don't even know how to set a budget. Um, and it's all for nonprofit, so we can hook you up with that information. But just like um, I had said, you know, for from a perspective, I, I, I should know off the top of my head. I have it all someplace, but we just didn't have time to do all the research uh, about where where we are um, and stuff like that. But it's also a boundary that I think that I will respect my husband and my privacy in terms of where we are um, to be broadcasting that kind of thing. But I'm also very open to doing one-on-ones if you feel like you're struggling and you want to talk about yours um, and hear, you know, more intimate parts of that. But in the year of 2019, uh, this is a very, very conservative number. I would say it's about a third of the places I could have collected information from to figure out how much debt we as a family paid off. But on the conservative side, it was $21,000 between consumer and uh, business debt and things like that. So that's, I think, something that people need to hear and need to know about. So if I paid off $21,000, you don't even, I don't even want to know what I started off with, but um, those are things, you know, that I'm coming to terms with and figuring out now. So that's what I just wanted to share was that I'm pretty sure that the average is like eight out of 10 people have consumer debt mm -hmm. um, and mostly on credit cards and that it in like 2008 averaged at like $8,700. So if we're at 2020, I can't even imagine what the numbers are now. It's probably like nine out of 10 and it's probably like 12,000 yeah. minimum. I'm sure we could just do the Google, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think that what will benefit us to have this conversation is that we know that most women are going to be in our age range, in our region, so they can probably relate to standard of income and lifestyle in that, in that role. So hopefully you can kind of resonate with a little bit of this and know that you're not alone and we'll talk about how to kind of navigate through those emotions about what debt feels like and mm -hmm. what it is and um what it looks like on the other side as well so yes um i think that as we had began this conversation we were talking about like one of the major major commonalities i think that people that have debt will be able to resonate with is keeping up with the joneses philosophy Mm -hmm. Um, and this is more easily translated into living beyond your means. Keeping up with the Joneses is like, I mean, you could technically, like if your neighbor buys a girl, you could buy a bigger, bigger girl and you might be able to afford it. But this is the illusion that you can afford it if you really can't, but you have to make sure that other people think you can kind of thing. So for me, when we talk about credit, like that's, I believe the cascade effect for me was I had one. And I could afford at that time to run it, pay it off. And then what happens? They increase your credit limit. Mm -hmm. So then you have more to work with and you have more fun. And then you have more ways that you can skip work if you're not getting paid because it doesn't matter if you've got this free money that you're spending. 
because it's just borrowed money, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the philosophy, and that's where it starts. And it starts with silly things like uh, an extra t-shirt or uh, new jewelry or something that you just had to have. It escalates to weekend trips in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I put, um, let's see, 2019, I put three weekend trips all on credit. <laughs> because I knew that I wanted to go and I knew that I wanted to be in those places, but I my income had drastically gone down between 2018 and 2019, but I was still going. Mm-hmm. So I put all of that on credit cards. And a little bit, I mean, I guess a little backstory for the people that are listening, because there's some people on here that I know have heard my, my journey before. I got my first credit card in 2012, and I was just telling Rachel this story that I literally I opened up my first credit card because I was living on my own for the first time and it was the very first your pre-approved letters that I ever got in the mail and I was so excited that of course but I was uneducated about what those letters really are and why they're sending them to you yeah so I thought that it was super important and of course I didn't waste any time I called like that day the second I opened it I was just like oh cool I got a credit card and I called and I opened simply up. because it said on the outside that you're pre-approved exactly. is that what you said simply because of that and because and because I was uneducated and nobody told me that they send those out to you multiple times a month to try and... And they send them to everybody. And they send them to everybody. Yeah. To everybody. And they're super high. That credit card had a 24.9% interest rate on it. You like, remember that? Yes, I remember that because that was... I've gone through so many debt counselings that you ha- they make you look at those things. And that card... I had that card up until two years ago. I finally closed it out. And so that... That was 20. So I only only had it for six years. Mm -hmm. It started out with a $300 credit limit. So at the time, I was working part-time at Juice Stop while I went to school (laughs) for full-time. So I could not afford even $300 credit limit. I honestly couldn't because I didn't have any fun money. But in my head, I was like, oh, well, here's my fun money. I'll max this out and then just make the minimum payments and it'll be fine. Yeah. So I had fun for a day and then was stuck paying off that credit card forever. But because every six months... And I didn't know this. I figured it out eventually. Every six months, they increased my credit limit by like $100 or $200 because I was making the on-time minimum payments. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of six years, that credit card had made it up to a $2,000 credit limit, which at the height of it was still maxed out mm-hmm. because I got into that cycle of only making the minimum payment. Something always came up that like I didn't have cash for in my checking account. I didn't have debit card money. So I had credit card money. And I borrowed more money. I mm-hmm. borrowed more money mm-hmm. until it was... I real recognized that I couldn't get out of that that cycle. So it was actually about, it was 2017 or 2018. I enrolled in a debt management pro- program. Uh, the company was Debt Wave Management, and basically they close out your credit cards. They negotiate lower interest rates with your credit card companies, and you make. I think I, at the time I had like four or five credit cards open. I closed all of them down. I started making monthly payments to one this one program, Debt Wave Management, and then they split up the, the minimum payments and sent them out to the credit card companies. But because they were an established debt management company, the credit card companies agreed to lower my interest rates. Like they all went from 24% down to like six or nine, between six and 9%. So I was saving money on the interest rates. I was in a program. They closed up my credit cards. I thought I was on the right path. Well, then I got my job as a 911 dispatcher and my incre- my income increased dramatically. So I thought I could afford credit cards now. I thought that I was smarter. I thought I could do this. I ended up opening like 14 credit cards in the span of 
30 days or 60 days because I just kept getting approved. Mm-hmm. Like every, <laughs> anytime a store would ask me, like I'd go into Best Buy, hey, you want to, you want to apply for a credit card? Well, I only came in here for a Fitbit, but sure. Yeah. Let's, let's open up a credit card. Oh, awesome. $2,000 credit limit right out the gate. The highest credit limit I had ever had right off the, off the bat. Literally turned around, went and bought a new computer, a new camera, and something else that I didn't go to the store for. But now that I've got this credit card, oh my god, as well, because they because they they reeled me in with the um, I think it was like the twelve month yeah financing it, option yeah yeah. So I was like deferred oh. interest yeah the yeah. deferred interest. But that was when I that Best Buy card was when I learned that if you don't pay off the the balance by the end of the twelve months, they tack on all of that interest because that was a card that I did not pay off and. Mm-hmm. They ended up, I think, tacked on $700 worth of interest after 12 months, and I had only been making the minimum payments. So it went from yeah. it went from being like a $1,000 balance to up to $1,700 again. Yeah. So it was a vicious, vicious cycle. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that's why it's, it's dangerous, because it is a sense of entitlement, mm-hmm. and I think that's a millennial thing, and I, I don't, I'm not quite in the millennial spectrum. I'm too old for you. Well, I think... Technically, on per the calendar, you're a millennial, but you're on the high end, so you're more. What is the next? The weird one. The boomer. Or... No, that's the opposite direction. Oh. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Okay. It's not a big deal. Um, but I don't think that everybody has this as an issue. Number no. one, but number two, I do believe. I mean, this is person. I mean, this is relatable for me that I had a sense of entitlement, and part of that was ignorance because my parents did just did not prepare me well enough for everything in terms of responsibility in terms of paying bills what taxes were were how you should be saving money versus how you should be spending money um i saw the lifestyle that my dad was able to build us up to from the trailer park to living in this exact neighborhood that i live now Mm -hmm. um built a house which i later would learn that my dad borrowed the money from my grandma for the down payment to build that house and i never knew that Mm -hmm. I never knew that because by the time we were there, like I thought we had made it. Like my dad was making good money. We traveled, you know, practically every summer. So to me, it was like hard work pays off was the mentality. But it was also a dad that did that. My mom mostly worked from, no, she was a stay-at-home mom. She didn't work from home. She was a stay-at-home mom. So I had, I had a very strange dichotomy in terms of where my perception of what money is like I talked I talked very very heavily with my therapist about this like it was such a struggle for me because with my dad I saw you work hard you make good money but my mom it was get to be a mom and you still get to live this lifestyle and so I had this like conflicting dialogue in my head which would lead me to self-sabotage very heavily because I would work 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 my butt off for all the money that I had and I just blew it Mm-hmm. I didn't save. I didn't. I like. I was. I. Oh God. It was just a state of mind to me. Mm-hmm. Like my best friend Jan and I used to just call out from work as soon as we had vacation time, and just go sp- do, spend money all day long. That was like what we would do. Go to lunch. It was fun. Go to the mall. Do some shopping. And we probably took dinner home that night because now you're too fat and lazy to cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. or spent two hundred dollars on groceries oh. at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah, we'd get my hair done, like, uh, it was just, it was so irresponsible, but I, I know that part of that is ignorance, it was just, I didn't know any better, but it's like, where do you draw the line in saying, yeah, but now it's time for you to figure it out, like, because nobody has the guidance. Mm -mm. 
even well, it's because nobody talked about it. Yeah. Even then, even ten years ago, nobody was talking about finances. Right. And one generation wants to blame another generation, but the you know it's it's partly because you, what do you do? Like how do you t- like you can't just say like oh you're stupid and lazy. You have to be like. No, clearly somebody just didn't show you, and there is a better way. That's the problem. Yeah, that's why people listening to this podcast right now, this is us saying, if this is you, if this is you, if, if what we're describing from our past, whether it was 10 years ago, two years ago, if those are the spending habits that you have, if this is the debt cycle you feel like you're stuck in, yeah. we're here to help. We're here to show you that there's a different way to live, that there's a different way to save money and to spend money. Yeah, when we talk about, like, saving and starting to live within your means, like making hard decisions mm-hmm. about skipping uh, like a well thought out planned trip or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crappy. It sucks. It's scary, mm-hmm. but it's very rewarding at the same time. And that's, mm-hmm. but that, that's hard. And it, it's learning to live within those means. But I think what my, I'm trying to squirrel moment from is that, it's just as hard to live in that shame cycle, that pain cycle, that debt cycle of how am I going to pay for this bill? What if something big happens and I can't afford that? I keep saying I'm going to go start my retirement fund uh, and now it's been 10 effing years and I haven't been with that company that that matched me for a decade. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or any of it. Like, how are you going to pay for your health care? How mm-hmm. are you going to travel and do the things that you want to do at $15 an hour? Like, those are questions... That you you have to get comfortable asking yourself because you're you're just living slowly, or you're you're killing yourself slowly mm-hmm. is what I meant to say, slowly but surely. But it's just as painful instead of the one smack upside your head like, get your crap together. Right. Okay, it's okay to say that you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's okay to say that you didn't know. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to seek out a better way of living. So, mm-hmm. I feel like we should. We've kind of given them, like, we've painted a good picture about what debt could look like. Because we've... Or recognizing it, Or recognizing it. Because obviously, Rachel and I are only two people. Right. So there are 50 million other stories that you could resonate with or that you could be. Um, But if you feel like you don't have enough financial education, if you feel like you have a lot of debt or you don't know how you're going to pay your credit card bills, let's start to paint a picture of... Not necessarily a how-to, like, this is what you need to do 100% to get out of debt, but let's share how what steps we took to recognize the problem and to start fixing our own problems. Yeah, that's heavy for me because um, even still before I recognized that money was my Everest, I was, like, on a really bad low, mm-hmm. really bad low. And it, I, I don't still don't even think that I was recognizing how much education I needed. It was just more of, I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was tired of like wondering in a business where you run it yourself, mm-hmm. you don't have a guaranteed paycheck mm-hmm. and that's a lot of pressure initially, but then not to feel financially sound. So I can't tell you specifically like when it was, it was just more of a, I need to learn more about this. I mm-hmm. feel inadequate. I feel like, I feel like I've been able to accomplish so much in my life in this short period. And I mean, short period, like last two years that I should be able to have a better, better handle on this. And it doesn't have to be that I have to love numbers and it doesn't have to be that I get it all, but I need to know enough to, who do I ask mm-hmm. if I don't understand it? And I, sh- I shouldn't be upset or angry with myself if I 
feel like I should be asking somebody the hard questions about who's handling my money and where is it going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still not even quite there 100%, but I at least recognize that that's where I need to go. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I can't tell you straw that broke the camel's back. It was just... Well, when you started, what, like, were you reading books from the library? Like, what were you... Um, well, I stumbled into, um, my first money book because I read Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass and her sequel follow-up to that was You Are a Badass Making Money and Mm -hmm. I loved the first one so much and I knew that I'm like, for years I had just felt like I had potential to make more money and I think I struggled with it. Like, I needed to also do ego research first because I was always so paranoid about money makes people evil money mm-hmm. like cultivates bad decisions and whatever so i couldn't be receptive to that message until i dealt with that aspect of it okay so um i read her book and loved it and then somebody i greatly admire had recommended secrets of six-figure women and that book like made me weep when i would read it like i still literally have two screenshots on my desktop right now from that book that it just rocked me to my core. And it was not even so much about, like, the money that they talked about. It was not even very specific about how much money women made. It was, here's what their role is and here's what they do. But it was about the monumental shift in mindset that they had. It was this, like, why not me? Mm-hmm. And here's what I had to let go in terms of my thinking to be to allow myself to be able to get to that level kind of thing. So it was feeling that through women and being like, that's what, that's what I want to feel. It's not that I want to feel rich. It's not that I want to feel famous. It's that I want to feel secure. That's Mm -hmm. always been my lacking connection with money is lack of security always. Okay. So that's where I started. That's where you started. Mm -hmm. And then you, so I witnessed you start making changes in your spending habits. So not only did you and that's Start. new. <laughs> yeah, that's new. But it, it's important. It's important to point out because you've helped me with my spending habits because I've witnessed the small changes that you have consistently made and build built upon. And now it's spreading over to your family. Mm-hmm. So much so that I don't know what to get your 12-year-old son for watching my child the other day. But um, we can have a conversation about that later. But, yeah. Um, but so tell me, like... When did you stop buying books and start going to the library? Oh, yeah, sure. So that was that was more of a personal decision, not because I think there's anything wrong with having books. And I think that as my space grows mm-hmm. and my organization grows, because I like to gift them, ironically, um, I just that was a conscious decision partially because of the environment as well. Like I always told myself like I was keeping books because I was going to reread them and I never reread a book, not because it's not amazing, but it's just because I, I want to read as much as I can. And I have re- reread some books, but to, to answer your question, that was partly, it was partly for the environment mm-hmm. um, and a personal decision because I just knew I wasn't going to reread them. And then it actually has even moved so far into audiobooks now. And that's more of convenience because I can do it wherever and I can listen to it faster. So it's about time leverage for me at this point. Um, but I love it. I love a book. I love a physical book. I love to sit in the sun and read a book. Um, and you can't beat that on a Kindle and audio tape in my opinion. So, um, I knew at some point that there was an emotional connection. So I started reading books like, um, like it was, it was, they were geared for couples and money, but it was, for me, it was all about relationship with money and understanding that 
you give so much power to a green slip of paper, but that means nothing. Most of us don't even carry that anymore. It's all digital. It's all electronic. So being able to detach from the power of money was something that I had to do to understand why I was overspending or irresponsibly spending or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was all tied to self-worth and image. And then eventually about living means and worried about what people would think. So it's all, I'm going to try and say this word because you say it all the time, cyclical. Cyclical, because it's always attached. It's always attached. I was so, attached. And I had no idea that it was so deeply wound into each other. And I didn't until I went to your empowerment class. Your, was it was it the empowerment class or mm. was it the wellness yeah. class? I don't remember what you called it. Yeah, empowerment. Empowerment. But learning that, you know, your relationships and your health and your finances, like they're all tied together and they all bleed into each other. Yep. I didn't know it at the time. I like in the class, like I was there to take photos and I was there to support you. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's things from the class that I pull from months later, mm-hmm. a year later. I hear that, that a lot. Like, and I'm just like, oh yeah, that makes sense now. That's okay because that's of, the class is where the seed is planted. Exactly. You, yeah. You planted those seeds and yep. and it's it's spilled over into other areas of my life. For example, um, I hate cooking. Like, it's not so much the cooking because there's a couple of dishes that I love to make. I hate the prep time. I hate the waiting. I hate the cleanup. I hate the having to go out and buy the specific groceries to make this. Like, there's so many more steps. And I am very much so love the instant gratification of everything in life. Mm -hmm. And that's why Amazon Prime is, like, my number one best friend. Because (laughs) I get get things right away, right? Mm -hmm. So my thing was transitioning from eating out seven days a week to only eating out three days a week, only eating out two days a week. And now because of all of these conversations that I'm having about money and the fact that on January 1st, I cut up my credit cards. I I think it was actually the day before, but but I brought to our our team meeting on January 1st, I brought up all of my credit, credit cards that were still active at that point and was just like, 2020, I am debt, I'm living credit card free, mm-hmm. meaning I still have the consumer debt, I'm paying it off, but I am not adding to it at all anymore right. this year. And so living within my means is scary for me because 2020 is also the year that I went 100% self-employed. Yeah. I am not employed by anyone right now. Like, yes, I have a job with Pure Romance, but I don't have a boss standing over my shoulder telling me how many hours a day I have to work or how many parties a month I have to hold. I am responsible for myself. I also have my photog- photography business that is still very new. And it was, it's so scary to not have that guaranteed paycheck every two weeks to know that, okay. It's back to security. It's, it's back to the, yeah, I feel unsecure. And I've had to have a lot of really open and honest conversations with not only the people around me, but with Brett, with my, my boyfriend, the person that I'm in a relationship with, because at the same time that I have to start cutting back on what I can spend because my income is lower and I've decided to not put things on credit cards his income has gone up dramatically because he last year was working two jobs at basically minimum wage. And now he's working one job and he's getting paid over twice, almost, almost three times what minimum wage is in in the state of Nebraska right now. So he is flush with money for the first time. Well, not the first time in his life, but for the first time in a few years, because he's had good paying jobs in the past, but now he's back to that certain level of income. Doesn't have a lot of debt. Doesn't have a lot of bills. And so he's wanting to spend money. He's wanting to go out to eat all the time. He's wanting to take the kids out to the movies every week, do all of these fun, expensive things with the kids, which isn't a bad thing. It's not that he's spoiling the children. It's just that 
he can provide these things for himself. He wants to do these things for himself, so he's going to because it's his money. But me being the girlfriend, I don't want anyone, let alone my boyfriend, to feel like I'm living off of him. Mm -hmm. And so from the very beginning, it was 50-50 with him and I. Every date, if he paid for one date, I'd pay for the next one. If he paid for the movie, I'd pay for the snacks. Like, we just made it very 50-50. I'm a, I'm a very independent woman, and I don't like people to, like, pay for things for me. But now we've had to have that conversation of, hey, we have to cut back because I can't afford to pay. I can't afford to go 50-50 anymore. I have enough pay, money to pay my bills and fill up my gas tank and buy my portion of the groceries, but that's it. Yeah. And it's still weird because he, my boyfriend is still like, well, I want to go out to eat, so I'm going to pay for us to go out to eat, and I don't expect you to pay for half. I, let, let me treat you. And I'm like, but I can't reciprocate. I can't do that as well. So for me, it's it's it's, a, it's an everyday struggle because I don't want to be spending money for either of us. Right. Because that's, that's the difference. That, because I don't want... I now see the value in saving right. money. I see the value in putting things towards groceries versus fast food or eating out at nice restaurants three times a week. Like I see the value in putting money into retirement mm-hmm. and into savings and we want to buy a house, you know? So it's all of these little things add up and I'm trying to educate my boyfriend without making him feel. But that's, that's it is you just have to live your life. Yeah. Cause I feel like you're asking me like earlier about how I shifted the family. They don't like it. No. You know, like, it started for me, it was the money that was going out the door for fast food, but then you could still theoretically still eat out healthy, so it was eventually about a diet. It was like, I I can't. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, so, for the kids, they really hated that. They hated that we started eating at home more, but like you had said, you know, um, there's more time in prepping for a meal, so it... It was a visceral shift in the house that it became, well, we, we kind of hang out and listen to a certain playlist on Spotify as dad's cooking meals and maybe mom and the kids play a game in the living room while dad cooks or sometimes Q helps dad because he really likes that. And then it's absolutely zero electronics, you know, while you're eating and you do your gratitude board or you um, talk about your day or you talk about like your family goals. And if we could travel anywhere, where would you like to go? You know, it becomes this experience that is so much greater than you driving the car silently to your restaurant and you sit there and you don't have an entirely meaningful conversation because it's too distracting. Like Mm -hmm. you can talk to each other, but it's not the same as being in your home, creating your memories and that takes time for everybody because they're all brainwashed into thinking that the convenience of fast food is a better experience. And I provided that to my kids. So mm-hmm. I have to undo that. And that does not happen overnight. No. And it does, it makes it more difficult, of course, when they're split household because that still happens in their other household, which is fine. I don't, I, I can't tell another parent that their way is wrong if it's not harming my child. And that's a blurry question because where do you define hurting my child if you're pumping them full of, crap food (laughs) and maybe not engaging with them that's the bigger thing like I can counteract the food as much as possible over here in a healthier lifestyle and again this is not a dig at my ex because he has come light years in his relationship with my kid and um in our relationship as well but engage emotionally that's 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 the connecting piece you'll miss and you know then they expect it they know Mm -hmm that one of them's going to sweep afterwards and the other one's got to clean off the table or whatever, you know, it's, it's just different. It's different. It's different. It's a slow process. They still piss and moan about not getting to go into a gas station, but 
I just, I, I'm unwavering in my emotion about it. You know, like that's part of personal development too, is just having patience that he's going to keep asking. Like, I can't expect overnight that he's going to get it. Like he doesn't understand it. And if, especially if his friends, if it's different, that's the hard thing is, you know, they want to fit in and they want to be a part of what their friends get. And Christmas is difficult because some of them come back with, God knows how much in new clothes and new electronics and our kids get four specific gifts and one of them includes a book and that's not what everybody else is getting so that's a hard message to relay about what Christmas means to us and not through Christianity because we're not in that religion so they're defining their Christmas as one thing we have to define ours as the way we want it to be and that's the perception difference Mm -hmm. yeah so cascades small things you know Take them, take them on walks, take them to the parks that are free in your city instead of feeling like you have to pay for a movie that will be out on Redbox for a fraction of the cost. Treat yourself from time to time. Go mm-hmm. to, you know, like the big movies that come out during summer blockbusters or whatever. But parks are free and they're outdoors and kids love them. They just forget that they love them. And then you, again, have the conversation and the more meaningful experience. And you're saving a ton of flipping money. Well, yeah, and and There's a ton of programs that are free. Well, that's interesting because, like, you're starting to talk more about, like, instead of spending money on your kids to show them that you love them, start, start spending time and start engaging with your kids. So, it's experience they're craving. Exactly. So instead of going to the movies every week, like my boyfriend loves to do because he enjoys going to them himself yeah, well there's also five dollar tuesdays or whatever and he does he does go to those a lot um but he does my boyfriend does take his kids to the the library a yes. lot and and still has that one-on-one time with them and then they bring home a book and he gets to read the books with them they also have games and, and movies games, there too yep, and he we rent movies sometimes and then the kids get to come home and watch their movie I mean, we still have all those streaming services that they can watch endless amounts of movies on. Um, but there's there's free options, but it's just you have to engage with your family. You yeah. have to engage in communicate and communicate with them and make memories and be in in do things with intent. Yes. So you have to start your day with intent and you have to plan ahead. So if you're looking to save money about with things throughout your entire life, whether you're single, you have kids, you're married, whatever, you have to start your day with intent. You have to look at what you have on on your schedule. If you need to meal prep and bring a lunch with you to work, do so. If your kids are going to be home for the weekend and they normally you don't normally have to think about their lunch, plan like plan ahead, plan your grocery store or grocery trips, things like that so that you're more intentional with your buying. I am the worst at grocery shopping because I don't meal plan ahead. I literally go to the grocery store and buy anything that looks delicious. And then I come home with $200 worth of groceries, most of it's processed. Yeah. And then... So you're in that cycle again. So then I'm in that cycle of over... Eating crap that keeps you fat. Yeah. And, and that's not a dig. No, I was there no, too, yeah. but that's what's happening. Yeah. Even if you were not, like, if the number's not huge on the scale, the inside of your body is tore up. Exactly. So it's, I was not doing things with intention. I, yeah. And so I think that's where my big shift with finances comes from and with my debt is that I'm making decisions that are more intentional now. Yeah. I am more educated because I, I realized that I didn't have the information I needed. So I reached out to resources. Mm-hmm. I started surrounding myself with like-minded people or with people that were doing things better than myself. Yeah. Because I know that the people you surround yourself with have a huge influence on your life. I can also say that um, being surrounded by somebody like yourself, you know, you're one of my best friends that I love that you have a different outlook on money and possessions and <sighs> that, that you make... Because we've had this conversation before about 
I used to look at people that went to the library as poor. Like, uh-huh. oh, like you're so poor, like, you have to go to the library. And now I've changed my perspective because of you, because you go to the library, and I know that you're not poor. I know that you're not... You, in my head, libraries were dirty. I like, gotcha. Yeah, like... Your taxpayer money pays for those books. You should probably yeah, use yeah. them. Right? Yeah. But I had this weird... Yeah, no, I get that. Th- this I get that. weird perception because of... The park next and... to the library exactly. is for poor people. Exactly. That's where I take Olivia every Monday, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now we take our kids to the, the, the libraries. They have and great I... programs there. People they, are really missing out. They Puzzles. Do. They've got great stuff for kids. Well, yeah, and all of those, like, top books that everybody yeah. goes crazy about and yeah. fads about are at the library. Llama Llama Red Pajamas there. <laughs> but oh. even, like, even personal development books. Like, yeah. The, like, Rachel Hollis books are yeah. really popular or the new Jen Sincero book is going to come out and, like, boop, boop. I really want to buy it but I know that it'll be out in the library a couple months or a couple weeks later so I might as well just wait until it's at the library. Yeah. Or wait till you buy yours and then I can buy it. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do buy Jen's books. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice. I, because I'm surrounding myself with people who have a different outlook on life when it comes to buying possessions, I now have started sharing Mm -hmm. my things. So not only do I, I love the little free libraries in the neighborhoods, they're all over Lincoln. There's even a map. So if you don't know where they are, you can literally Google it. They'll pull up a map that shows all the little red dots of where they are, but you can go and pick out a new book of, it's kind of random because you never know what's going to be in there, but then you can leave your books. Mm -hmm. So I... I used to have like two totes full of books that I read once upon a time that I was keeping because they were important to me, quote unquote, air quotes, because I had an emotional connection to them because I read the book once and it was good. Mm-hmm. But at, at that time in your that, life, at that, time that you needed life. the message. Yes. Yep. And so I held on to the book, like clutched it close to my, to myself, but kept it in a tote under my bed. So obviously <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that yeah. important. Yeah. But when I started decluttering and realized it could, that message could be important to somebody else. Somebody else needs to see that. I started getting rid of my paperback books. I kept a few for a few years, but then when I moved in with Brett, I put books out on a bookshelf and everything. And I realized at my one year anniversary of living there, I had not picked up one of those books a single time. Mm-hmm. So I got rid of all of them. And I realized if I need that book later in life, you'll I'd be able find to find it, it somewhere. Yeah, I'll be able to find yeah. it at the library. Or you can purchase it again if it yeah. becomes that important. Exactly. Yeah. And I started sharing books with friends that. It, it was funny, you know, Emily posted that she was waiting on a book to become available at the library. And I was like, girl, I have a copy sitting right in front of my face. You could totally borrow it for free. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. So I did. I dropped off the book that day and let her borrow it. Yeah. I also have started letting people borrow clothes because, oh, I could, we could go into a whole conversation about consumerism and... Well, I think it's it's part, it's part important that we kind of touch on it because we don't want to get into anything that feels political because that's not what it's about. But no. that's part of the permission is that you you don't need to feel shame if you're like, but I like buying things. I like going shopping. There's nothing wrong with that, but here's why you need to understand the science behind that. Mm-hmm. This is not different than smoking a cigarette. It's not different than eating a Little Debbie's. It's not different than snorting a lot of Coke. It's all the same thing because when people do something that elevates the way they feel negatively or positively, it's an altered state of mind. That's what you crave. Okay, in different forms, cigarette lasts for what, like the three and a half minutes you're smoking it, right? Mm-hmm. A pop might last for a couple hours because of the caffeine in your system. The, I don't know how long cocaine has a half-life in your body, oh, but I, I think it's pretty fast, I'm yeah. pretty sure. So anyways, but it's the same philosophy. Once the high is gone, you chase the high. And I know that sounds very cliche and silly, but it can be a small high, like smoking for 25 years. It can be a large high, like charging $5,000 to a credit card. Mm -hmm. And so that's important to understand that that's what consumerism is about. It's not always about 
a perceived way of living. Like, pfft, it's silly. To, does my office need to be spectacular? I am the only person in this office and you, right? Mm-hmm. It needs to be a sacred workspace for me and the nothing else. You know, no, it's... <laughs> you see how I have these dried bouquet of flowers up mm-hmm. here? See, that's that means more to me than... I don't, I couldn't even tell you like the, the big trophy that I used to have in my office, right. That's now packed away somewhere, which is great. It, it, that was an amazing award, but that is my first mother's day bouquet after I had Olivia and Cole bought it for me. Mm. So, you know, like that kind of stuff matters. And in there, your perfume might be fantastic. Your, um, eyelash extensions might be amazing. It's, it's not about shame, but that's, you got that way to change your state of mind. Mm-hmm. So when you wrap up your value in feeling better about who you are, that's where consumer consumerism becomes a problem. Shop local, build your communities. You absolutely need to contribute those types of things, but don't let it become your identity because that's where it cascades into living beyond your means. That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. um, but for me, it, it becomes freeing. I tell people quite often, you know, you can attest to the house that we lived in before this was a peanut house. Like it was like not much bigger than the garage is here now. Um, this is great space for us and where we are in our season of life, which is fantastic. But we were definitely outliving that house. And my point is, is that I had lived in that house for almost a decade. And the amount of the amount of things that I collected between myself and then my husband, who then moved in with his child and I already had one and then we had a baby. Everything came out of that house, came to this house. Like, mm-hmm. it was a matter of being lazy. It was like, I just don't have time to sort through it, but I will, do, as it comes out of the house, we'll go through it. But nothing could come into the new house until it went through the garage and I sorted through it. So it was kind of stupid because we paid the movers to move everything, but it was like, you don't know what you're going to need. And we now have less in this home than we ever had in that tiny little thing. Mm-hmm. So that's freeing to get rid of stuff. Like you said, it's an emotional connection. Like, why am I holding onto this t-shirt? Like, this makes no sense. Right. Um, but it's also less items to clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's less crap to move the next time. Mm-hmm. So who takes this stuff, like, when Tony and I are gone? You know, there are some things that will be important to my children. But I can't expect that every trophy I get for sales my kids are going to hang on to and I don't want them to like that's not what I want them to have like their favorite photo of me or a letter from me that they can look at and it reminds me like they feel my presence because it's my handwriting you know Mm -hmm. those are things like not overdoing it but he's not going to care about my Kermit the Frog doll back there like (laughs) he's just not gonna (laughs) so that's what it should shift for and it does like when it starts to connect Mm -hmm. yeah and you deserve nice things that's not about that but like, yeah, I mean, work towards being able to afford the three-hour facial instead of, you know, the one Botox peel you get from Walmart that mm. is not good for your face, you yeah. know? That's the difference. Make sure your energy is intentional when you're spending your money yes. or Intent. saving it. Intent. And put good energy into it. Like, yeah. if you hate paying bills, that's understandable because it's money that you're like, oh, I don't know why I need this electricity. <laughs> but you do, and somebody has to maintain it, and you're not going to get around it. So why not shift your focus and be like, I am so unbelievably grateful. Like, our bathroom light's not working right now. It's so funny that we're talking about this. Um, the bathroom light doesn't work. The water runs fine. Everything is, like, you can even put your Scentsy pot in and turn it so you have a little bit of light if you need to pee in the middle of the night, whatever. Um, but somebody is going to have to come and fix that. I do not know how to run electricity 
at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something I should be grateful for that somebody either had a passion for that or makes a good, hopefully makes a good living from that for my convenience. That needs to be the shift of focus. We were talking about parks earlier, right? Like you have a street that you get to back your car in and out of and is plowed when it snows and it might not be effectively immediate, but it, it, it's not, you don't have to do it. So you need to be grateful for spending that money when it goes to things like that. And that'll also turn your mind around when you're paying a bill. Like you should be like in your memo line, if you still write a check, if you even know what that is, be like, I'm so grateful for my electricity. Thanks for all your hard work or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's crazy. Like, do you think that they ever get anything positive? Like when people receive bills, like there's a memo line when you pay online. Thanks so much for your service. I appreciate everything that you do for us. How hard is that? Like it just makes you feel good about it. They're going to feel amazing because they're never going to get that opportunity. But then you spent that money well. All right. I cringe when I now like, I don't even remember what it was. Like I was out of something on the way to a team meeting or something. And I was like, I'm so angry at myself because I have one of these at home. But now I have to get this because I'm out and I forgot. Like that makes my blood curdle now because I'm like, that's five bucks I could have added to the grocery list this week and Tony could have made me vegan brownies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he made me vegan brownies. But that's that's where your mind shift will go. And it's not easy. It's not going to happen overnight because, you know, depending on how old you are, you've had 20, 30 years of past experience that somebody wired your brain of how you thought about money or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. So that's one day at a time, one conversation at a time, one consumer decision at a time. But it doesn't happen overnight. 21 days makes a habit. 90 days makes a lifestyle change. Well, and I feel like we should talk about real quick, um, like the, the social pressure to keep up with the Joneses because oh my God, yeah. for a long time, that's why I was spending money on my credit cards. Cause it wasn't always about things. It right. was, it was going out to, yeah, I was going out to eat with my friends. It was going out to the bars with my friends. It was going to Vegas with my friends. It was doing all of these things with, to have a social life but I couldn't afford it. And I didn't, I wasn't comfortable at that point in my life to tell people that I couldn't afford it. I was just, I wanted to keep up appearances. I wanted to to show that I was living life to the fullest and that I had had my shit I had figured made out. It. Yeah. Yep. I wanted, I didn't want people to know that I didn't have my shit figured out and that I was struggling. And so through personal development and through learning how to be vulnerable with the people around me and learning whose opinions about my situation or about my life I actually care about was really important because when I started to realize that I really don't care about what the girls from I went to high school with 10 years ago like I really don't care what they think about me okay cool well then you don't have to post or you don't have to go out and buy new clothes every time you go to an event Mm -hmm. because somebody somewhere might see a picture of you and think oh my god she wore the same dress to two events because that was definitely thing I suffered from is I didn't want to wear a nice dress to the same event twice. Oh I, my God. Yes. I, I that. had to go out and buy new dresses for every single event. And it was to a point where I would drop $300 for a dress to wear to one event and then never wear it again. Like it, it was a problem. And now I literally have a trunk full of formal dresses that I'm trying, like I'm donating. I'm trying to give away to other people so that they don't have to buy $300 dresses to wear to one event. Yeah, you know, and I, so that's funny that you say that because I uh, was just talking to somebody about this, this work jacket I wear to my parties, mm-hmm. right? And, like, almost at the same time, her and I both said, yeah, the one I wear all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important because, so since I started buying clothes at this new body weight, mm-hmm. um, everything I've bought is secondhand. And I think that people need to know that. Like, I, 
one, it's going to be rare for me to come across the, the nice jacket that I found that first time. That's from The Gap. That's such good quality. So it's going to last me forever. And I spent $3 on it, FYI. But it's not necessary for me to have 14 different outfits to wear to a party. So that was like a monkey mind moment for me was that, you know, I post every time I'm at a party that that's consistency in my business, but they're going to see that I'm wearing the same jacket and the same three shirts. And then I had to let that go. Cause I'm like, I don't care. I hope that somebody like notices. And I hope maybe somebody asks me and says like, how come you always wear the same outfit? It's not a uniform. It's definitely not a PR uniform. No girls, because I got it super cheap and it's business attire and I can wear it time and time again. And I'm not spending money on clothes right now because that's not my top priority. Mm-hmm. Like it's, that's, that's not a necessity at this point. And that's where you have to get real about it is that I have five to 10 outfits that I can mix and match. Yes. Are they ideally perfectly sized for me? No. You want to tell them what's wrong with my sock right now? So many holes. Oh, <laughs> girl, uh, we, you know, two people that are close in my circle, they know that my socks are raggedy right now. They know that my bras are from when I weighed 250 pounds. They know that my underwear is from when I was 250 pounds. So you can imagine how unsupported I am right now <laughs> and how my underwear just falls off my butt. And But I can't, right now, I cannot bring myself to purchase those new things. And it's not about a lack mindset that's important it's not scarcity it's because it's just not top priority top priority right now needs to be because i don't have a safety net either i am very diligent about not doing any credit this year as well so i have to justify that it's for good reason right like i have not had my hair done since november because it's intentional spending like i have to go with regrowth in my hair at this moment and it's not going to diminish any lack of or any amount of professionalism I have as as a person. It's not going to change my role as a mother. It's going to put a hundred and you know twenty bucks into our bank account every six to eight weeks for now. That will be a luxury at some point for me again. Um, but you got to get real with it. You have to be you have to be comfortable with living uncomfortably, which you're already doing, but you're just not admitting it. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the difference. Publicly, you got to be like on top of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Once, once you start to get okay with with not meeting someone else's status quo and f- realizing what's really priority to you, I honestly can say that I've become more comfortable with not spending money on certain things. And I don't care if you ju- – like, I don't care if somebody else judges me for right. it. Right. Well, and it, it takes the power out of it. That's it why. Does. Like, yeah. if I sit here and tell you, hey, I know I have regrowth since November and I know my hair is looking a little fried because I can't get my redkin right now. <laughs> You know, that takes the power away from it. Then I know that everybody knows that I'm trying to save money and I don't care if you're going to judge me about it because I'm trying to do right by my family. Like, all right, so I got a really poor looking ombre. It's fine. But girl, <laughs> I honestly was thinking this the other day. I was like, your ombre does not look bad. Like My re- ombre? No, yeah, that's my natural. Yes, but your regrowth looks like an ombre. Like I, got, does, I got a good stylist. Yes, it does not look horrible. And that's, yeah. that, I, I don't know if I have told you the story, but I came over for Thanksgiving at your house this year. And my child took my phone and was taking pictures. Well, they got a, pic- a f- picture of the back of my head, yeah. which is somewhere I guess I don't really see in pictures very often. <laughs> yeah. um, but I had been very self-conscious because it's been over a year since I... Last April was when I cut my hair the, la- the last time. And I think before that was the November before that was the last time I dyed my hair. Mm-hmm. So it's been a year and a half since I've done any blonde highlights or or ombre or anything balayage I can't even say that yeah, yeah so like my hair looks really copper to me and I hate it and I want to go get it fixed but I saw the picture of my back the back of my head at Thanksgiving and I was like oh that's not that bad like <laughs> like it honestly yeah. does not look horrible like, yeah it, it's passable it's fine right and yeah and no not a single person 
in the last year and a half has said anything to me negatively about my hair. Yeah, that's the thing. I still get compliments about, like, oh, your hair always looks so nice. And I'm like, Rachel, that's all in your head. It is. All right? So, and again, it's not if you get your hair dyed that you're a bad person. I I promise you Mm -hmm. that I will be getting my hair dyed again at some point in my life. But it's important that you just recognize what's the priority. If you cannot put 10% of what you're making in the bank, if you have not paid off your consumer debt, you shouldn't be getting your hair done. Oh, yeah. Okay? And, th- again, so I, I, I need to I, – <laughs> I've been prefacing this because I have a mini girls trip this weekend. Um, and I have been shifting through my brain, like, should you do this? Should you feel guilty about this? But this is, like, you have to also have some little wins along the way. Mm-hmm. I've already strategically budgeted to make this the most affordable thing ever. You know, like, make sure that you work a little harder, bring in some party or some extra orders or whatever. That's your responsibility. But – you need to have those breaks along the way to make sure that you do celebrate your successes as, as a heads up too. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on when it comes to money, but that's, I think the, that's the important, the most important takeaway of her that is you have to involve the emotion. You mm-hmm. have to figure it out because if you don't, you're not going to understand why you need to get to the other side. And the other side is liberating as crap oh, guys. Yeah. So come on over. Cause we get it. You don't have to feel like you're alone if you don't understand it. You don't have to feel like you're alone if you are drowning in debt and you're not talking to your partner about it. Like, those are real things. So, just so you know. That yeah, that's the, a whole other podcast for that. that. Was, oh, the hardest conversation I think I've had with Brett at this point is, like, I literally wrote out every single bill that I have, when it's due, and the amount every month. And then I went through every single credit card, every single balance, my yeah. student loans, every single number that I owe to to anyone in the world and I had an honest conversation with Brett about it because it's hard but now it's I have comfort in knowing that come the first of the month which is when my like the first of the month is my bill heavy day that's when the most I think it is for most people yeah yeah. I now know that if if for some reason I can't pay rent that I can be open and honest with Brett and he'll cover me until my next payday yeah, and that's the beautiful part about it. I think is more freeing than people understand is like the communication because you're so afraid that you should either figure it out or your partner's going to never forgive you. Mm-hmm. You you need to make sure you don't get it to a point where it's not, never forgivable. Yeah. So that's that's the important part in knowing that you won't be alone. And if you truly love one another and you expect that you'll be with each other forever, your relationship will only strengthen from having these conversations. It's going to be hard in the moment and you feel mm-hmm. very vulnerable and you almost are totally ashamed, but... It it's only strengthens it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So if you feel like you need some additional information, uh, like we said, we've got professional resources. We definitely have emotional support for you as well. Feel free to reach out to us. Go ahead and tell these ladies where they can find you. Photoswithanderson.com and on Facebook at Photos with Anderson. Also, go ahead. Remember to search for that private group, Boudoir Photos with Anderson. It's a great place to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, just as a follow-up, uh, we can... Find the social event on the Good Girls Guide page on Facebook. You can private message either one of us for that information as well. We've got an empowerment class happening next Thursday, and there's one also Saturday morning. So if you're interested in that $30, then you get to take a workbook home with you that you can refer to every six months after your seeds have been planted. Uh, If you are a feminine energy and at least 18 years or older and you would like a safe space to learn about intimacy wellness, then please make sure to let me know. We'll get you an invite to the private VIP page for that. Uh, Follow me straight on the Facebook and Instagram at Vote for Part. 
party. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in. We hope this was helpful. If it was, make sure that you shout it out to your girlfriends, anybody that needs it. It's definitely not gender specific. Uh, you can share this from Spotify. You can share it from Google Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. Uh, and that helps for us to get the word out a little bit easier as well. So thank you so much for everything you guys do and are a part of with us. We appreciate you and enjoy the rest of your night. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.